Welcome back to the Pathway Podcast. In this week's episode, lead pastor Jeremy Flanagan begins a new series on the book of Daniel. Well, it is good to have each of you out this morning, and I hope you had a uh, good weekend. And if you stayed up to uh, watch Midnight Drop or be able to uh, tell the person next to you Happy New Year, then uh, you may be a little sleepy this morning, but hopefully not too bad. We do have uh, some of our kids' classes in here today, and if you didn't pick up one on the way in, if any of our kids or teenagers or adults, if you get bored typically listening to me and you want a fill-in-the-blank sheet to help you out, uh, those are on the back table there. So kids, anybody feel uh, free to get up, grab them right now. Lauren, if it would help you. You know, he gets tired of listening to me. But uh, anyway, so there's a couple of uh, uh, fill-in-the-blank sheet and another sheet that just kind of has an overview of the book of Daniel. And I know y'all won't be in here for uh, the whole series, but it's good to have you kids in here with us today. And Daniel is an absolutely great book, especially uh, one that I have shared this story and kind of this lesson with a lot in the past with teenagers and with college students. And as we go into a new year and as we, you know, kind of have all those New Year's Day type things that people think about, um, Daniel is a great place to get started in scripture. And so this year we're talking about wisdom, right? And Daniel's one of those books that, that has a lot of that there, uh, a lot of wisdom for us to take a look at. Uh, but really, uh, as you can see on the slides, you can see on the title, the kind of the whole idea, at least in those, those first you know, five, six chapters of Daniel, um, it's really, to me, about making hard decisions. And so, you know, New Year's Day is a day that a lot of people look at making new decisions, right? Making changes, this is a new year. It's, it's arbitrary, but whatever arbitrary point in time you choose that helps motivate you to do what you already know you should be doing, that's not a bad thing, right? So January 1st is as good as time as any. Um, I, I try, I'm gonna try and make the, you know, the decision to remember the actual year when I write it down. Um, but I was halfway through cutting cards when I noticed, I was like, it's not that important. So uh, we just went with it. Uh, but you know, there are those New Year's things that we wanna do. I don't know if any of y'all have any traditions. Uh, being from the country in the South, uh, New Year's Day is when you ate hog jaw and black eyed peas. Um, had my wife cooked that our first year when we were married. It was a bad cut of meat, it smelled horrible in the kitchen. She hated it. So we made compromises as you do in marriage and we'll be having bacon sandwiches and black eyed peas today for lunch. Uh, but that's, you know, we, you do what you can. And you say, well, Jeremy, y'all haven't had the best string of luck, right? Imagine what it would be had we not been eating bacon and black eyed peas all these years. And so, you know, you have your traditions. People look, you know, maybe it's a new year, new leaf, new luck, whatever that is. Uh, a whole lot of people make resolutions, right? In Christianity, sometimes people can say that, you know, what churches are doing, it's just really that uh, you're, you're doing more of kind of a, a self-help model and trying to be a better you, and that's not what Christianity is about. And, well, it's definitely 100% not what all it's about. And, and church should not simply be a place where you try to, fix your, you know, simply become a better you and enjoy life more and things like that. But it's not, not completely about that, right? Because if you say, okay, January 1st this year, I'm gonna make better decisions with my finances. Well, Larry can give you about 12 pages of scripture on stewardship and about, you know, leading and planning well. 
right? And so that is a biblical concept. If you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what, I'm gonna try and lose weight this year. You know, gluttony is one of those things that on January 1st, I try and tell myself, you know, I'm gonna do better. But December 31st was yesterday and I didn't change that much the previous 365. So maybe I will this one, right? But, but that is something, you know, self-control in that area and things like that. Whether it's reading your Bible, which is one of our next steps always that first Sunday in January about saying, all right, this is time. Pick this year that you're gonna be more dedicated to reading scripture. Well, the Bible tells us to be prepared to give an answer to, to people about the hope that's within us, right? So there's a whole lot of things, spending more time with family. Bible talks about that a lot, right? About cutting out different you know, sins out of your life or, or things that, that waste our time and take our focus away from what we need to be focused on. Bible talks about those things too. So this isn't simply a place to find a better you, okay? Because in the end, you can search out and seek out and make decisions to do all those things that you want to do to make yourself happier about who you are. But if they aren't focused around the purposes of God, at the end of the day, your decisions and even the accomplishments that you feel that you make may not amount to that much eternally. And so when we look at the book of Daniel, it's not simply about making hard decisions to achieve what you want to out of life, right? Uh, if you say, I, this year I'm going to get a better job, I'm gonna learn a new skill or go back to school, I'm gonna try and advance in my career or start something new, okay, that's great. But if your purpose isn't to be able to use whatever wealth you're blessed with to give back to God what is his and to bless others, then you may accomplish your goals, but you don't do that much in the scope of what God would have you to do, right? And so that's what we have to look at on this January 1st, whatever decisions we make, you know, even, you know, our next steps kind of talk about those things, helping try and maybe focus us on some of those areas that we do need to make changes. But in the end, if we really wanna change our life, we have to make the decision to follow a different purpose for our choices, not simply make different choices. So, the book of Daniel is great. Let's get started on it. As we get into this book, what we're gonna find out is that God's people were not in a good place. And so if you're sitting here saying January 1, it's hard for me to make changes in my life. It's hard for me to make the decisions to do the right thing because I'm in a bad place. Well, let's see where they're at. Daniel chapter one, verse one. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave him victory over Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. So the nation of Israel had been defeated, right? And just to give you a little bit idea of timeline, put together a quick slide. A little while back earlier this year, we talked about Hezekiah and during King Hezekiah's reign is when Judah was attacked by Syria Right? And they took over and they demolished most of Jerusalem. And then Hezekiah even ripped all the things out of the house of God to try and pay them off. And that didn't work. And you know, all these horrible things happened. And then you know, God provided, God helped them. After that, Hezekiah was dying and he prayed to God and God gave him uh, more years to live. And in that period of time, there's a group of people from Babylon, right? Not this big giant world power, but a growing power. And they came to visit Hezekiah. And while they were there, 
he showed them and bragged about his palaces and bragged about the temple and bragged about all the gold they had and bragged about all the great things. And God said, your pride just made you lose it all. Won't be while you're alive, but it will happen. And so that's what we see happen here in the book of Daniel. The next thing we have is that Babylon captures the Assyrian capital of Nineveh. They start making their move, right? The Assyrians are the powerful ones in the area. Babylon captures Nineveh. They keep going. Nebuchadnezzar is the son of the king, and he just is kind of in charge of all of this, and and they are, are moving in. A few years later in 609, King Josiah was king of Judah, and he was a good king. Weren't a lot of them, but he was a good one. Um, But he heard that Egypt was coming up to help Assyria to fight Babylon. And Assyria was their enemy at the time. And they didn't really care for Egypt that much either. So he led his army out um, to uh, Megiddo. And in this place, he was trying to stop Egypt from teaming up with Assyria to fight Babylon. Didn't work. Well, they got defeated. Josiah got killed. Um, And even though they were trying to kind of help Babylon four years later, Nebuchadnezzar, they came into Judah and um, he attacked Judah and he took captives back with him. And in 605 is when, 605 BC, that's when Daniel and this book started, right? It's when this group of people were taken out of Judah, but not everybody. Uh, A handful of years later, it was 597, uh, Jehoiachin's rebellion uh, there. And so this is what, eight years later, uh, and Israel rebels against Babylon. And at that time they come in and they defeat them a little bit harder and they take 10,000 captives back. That's when Ezekiel comes in. And then you have in 588, starting in 588, ending about 586 BC, you have the siege of Jerusalem when they just finally put down any rebellion that they have. They destroy the walls by 586. They destroy the temple um, and, uh, and they just completely more or less wipe Israel out uh, as a country at that time. And so after that point in time, and of course, then I have that uh, Daniel dies around 536 BC. So he he lives um, for about 70 years in captivity there in Babylon. And so this is where the book of Daniel comes from. He was in that first group of people back in 605 BC. He was a teenager at the time and he was taken from his home and, uh, and taken away. And that's what we see in Daniel chapter one, verse three. Daniel chapter one, verse three, you see the start of the Babylonian plan about how to conquer a people and then how to rule that people. It says, the king ordered Asphanaz, his chief of staff, to bring the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Verse four, it says, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they're all well-versed in every branch of learning or gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. And he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. So, 
A couple of the best known stories in all of the Bible, right, that are taught that I learned as a little kid and that you, you hear about and everything else are Daniel in the lion's den and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, right? And these two very, very well-known Bible stories come from these handful of chapters in the book of Daniel. And we see these four uh, young people, you know, singled out here as being a part of the hundreds, if not thousands of young people who were taken away from Judah and carried away to Babylon. But it wasn't just any young people, right? It was people from the royal family. So they took people from the royal family and they took them back to Babylon with them. And they were young enough that they hoped they would be, you know, teachable and impressionable because what they wanted to do was for three years to change everything about who they were and to turn them into good Babylonian Jews. Jews by you know, ethnicity where they came from, heritage, but Babylonian by culture. And so they wanted what? The, the strong, the healthy, the smart, the wise, and the ones who can serve from the royal family. And then we're going to teach them our literature we're going to teach them our language, give them all of our education. We're going to completely immerse them in our culture. And at the end of the three years, then we're going to see who works out and who doesn't. And the ones who get with the program right and who turn into good cultural Babylonians, then they're going to serve in the palace here. And they are going to help us rule over their own people, right? The Babylonians did this. The Romans took that up and did that very well. If you think in the time of Jesus, the Romans ruled everything, but who was in charge of Israel, right? The upper class Jewish leaders were, were given the ability to kind of control their own things as long as they did what? Controlled their own things and paid their taxes and kept their people subjected. It's one of the reasons they wanted to kill Jesus because they didn't want any uprisings. They just wanted to follow the rules, get their money, keep things under their own control. And so the Babylonians were taking Daniel and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and plucking them up and wanting to completely change who they were as people. That way they could rule their own. And so if you look at the names, I've got a slide with the names there, and I highlighted Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because those are the names that we hear, right? Those are the ones you remember from stories. But the names on the left were their Hebrew names, and all of the Hebrew names all referred to God. Daniel's name is God is our judge. The others talk about how Yahweh is great and, and other things like that. And all the names they were given, Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, either talked about serving the king in Daniel's name or in the other three names that giving honor to Babylonian gods, right? So from the very beginning, we're gonna take away your names that reference the God of, of Israel. We're gonna give you names that reference our gods. You're gonna eat our food. You're gonna learn everything about us. And if not, well, you are our slaves. It's not gonna work out well. And so that's where we were at. But in all of this, in verse eight, it said, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Daniel did not eat bacon sandwiches and black eyed peas on January 1st. And I'm glad I'm not Jewish. 
Because there were foods and there were things that God had told them that they were not to eat to separate themselves from all the other cultures around them. And you're saying, well, what did it matter? Well, you can look back at different dietary things and other stuff, but for the most part, the reason that Jews were not to eat pork and the reason that there are other things that they weren't to do, the scripture says was to make them a peculiar people. Not peculiar in the way that we think of as, well, that guy is really, really strange and odd. Let's walk on the other sidewalk. Not, not that. Just that they stood out. They stood out as individuals who were making choices to do something in order to follow their God that the rest of society wasn't making those choices. They thought were meaningless or frivolous. You know, we may say, well, we kind of agree. Not eating, you know, bacon it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but trust me, if you are trying to follow after God in today's culture, in today's world and society, people are looking at you and saying, the choices Jeremy is making don't seem like they're that big of a deal. Why is it such a big deal if he doesn't do some of the things that I do or that, that he says some things are sin that I don't think are wrong, right? People look at us the same way. The benefit we have is I get to have bacon. And so they made choices and Daniel said, it may not seem like a large issue here, but I'm not gonna eat the food God told us not to eat. I'm not gonna drink the drink that God told us not to drink. I'm not gonna do this stuff. I don't wanna defile myself. And it says that he was determined. And not only did he have to go against the culture he was in, but he was having to go against his friends and family that he got plucked up from Judah and carried all the way to Babylon and traveled with, right? Because we're only given four names out of the hundreds, possibly thousands of future rulers of Israel and Judah, only four said, you know what? We're not gonna defile ourselves. We're not gonna do that. So in verse nine, we keep going and it says, now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. And Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And it says, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. And at the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. And the attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. So more or less, you let all these other hundreds and thousands of people from Israel eat your stuff, right? Eat, eat you know, a good, nice, big, thick pork chop, eat everything you put in front of them, do all that. We're gonna have, the Bible says, pulse or vegetables, kind of beans and just vegetables to eat. And at the end of 10 days, look and see who looks better. I don't know about you, but if you have tried dieting, 10 days doesn't really cut it, right? That doesn't make all the changes in your life. If I'm Daniel, I would have said, you know, give me three months. You know, give us some time, right? I have faith and I have confidence and I know this is the right thing to do, but give me some time to prove that this is okay. Because the servant, right, who was in charge said, if I let you do this and then you look sickly and you don't look as good as everyone else, I've disobeyed the king's orders. I fear for my life. 
Well, if that's what the king's loyal servant is afraid of, that he will be killed, what do you think will happen to the slaves who disobeyed the king's orders? Daniel and his friends weren't simply making a, a, just a small little lifestyle choice. They were making a choice that went against the culture, went against the people in charge, went against all their friends. And why do I keep saying that it went against all their friends? Well, the other hundreds and thousands are saying, you know, it's not that big of a deal. We're slaves here. We're not in charge here. We're scared. We're scared of what will happen to us if we don't go along with what everyone else is doing. If we cause waves, if we make a fuss about this. We don't want the pushback. We, we don't want whatever you know, repercussions will come. We have to make a new life for ourselves here, right? We gotta make a life for ourselves here. And if that means that we have to do a couple of things we don't like, then so be it. Well, I do a lot of stuff I don't like. But their excuse is if we have to do things we don't like and that God doesn't like. You know, we're in Babylon. We're in Babylon. Things are out of our control. I mean, it is such an easy decision for us to slip into. Just such an easy thing for us to say, you know what? This sin at the end of the day is not that big of a thing. What's more important is that I'm able to carry on and I'm able to keep 80% of what God wants me to do. 90% of what God wants me to do. But I'm gonna give in on this 10% because saying no to that or, or doing what God wants me to do here is gonna make all the rest of my life so difficult or if we're honest, just less enjoyable, right? Our sin nature wants these things, and so we want to do these things. But even if it is with threat of death, which ours aren't, our decisions aren't, Daniel's was, Hannah, Mishael, and Azariah's, they, theirs were, and they said, we are determined. We are determined. Now, a little bit later is when Daniel, because he prays to God, is thrown into the lion's den. And we'll talk about that story in the coming weeks. And when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they won't bow to an image, um, and, um, uh, or they won't, you know, that they pray to God as well, that they're thrown into a fiery furnace, right? There becomes a place and time in our life, and with them it was early, which is a good thing, with us, sometimes we may go a long time without making the choices God wants us to make. But we will come to a place where there's a decision point where we have to decide today, right? Today, who am I going to be? Because whatever I choose today is gonna make tomorrow either harder or easier to be who God wants me to be, right? Daniel being willing to being thrown to lions and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being willing to be thrown into a fiery furnace didn't happen all at once. It started with this decision point at the very beginning when they were faced with a world and a culture that wanted to change who they were. And they said, nope, we're determined to be who God wants us to be. We're going to be who God wants us to be. So, are you at a place in time and January 1st is just as good as any other day where you're having to decide who am I going to be today and tomorrow and every step forward? Well, maybe you're in one of those huge decision point times in your life where you feel like you've let things out of control or you just feel like you're spinning your wheels and you're not getting much done for God. 
But just to let you know that every day is ultimately a decision point where we have to just wake up and decide who are we going to be? Whose purposes are we gonna pattern our life after? You know, because of their faith in God, they were able to have confidence. You know, in that last song that we sang, that my confidence is your faithfulness, right? It's not our strength that we should have confidence in. It's not whether or not we can achieve the good things we want to do. It's God's faithfulness in who he is that allowed them and will allow us the strength to make those hard decisions. You know, I say all the time that what we need to do, and if you're here and you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, that the simple way I put it is that God is who he says he was. Jesus is the son of God, like God promised. Jesus did what he said he would do and he died for our sins and all he asks is for us to believe. It's my confidence in who Jesus is that gives me the only shot at making the right choices and making the hard decisions and keeping with them, right? That's it. Now I can make decisions about changing my life and trying to be a better me, but to be a better child of God Right? And to pattern myself after his purposes takes confidence in him. If you're here today and you have never made the decision to trust in Christ, you've got questions about him, you're just not sure what it takes or anything else, I would love to talk with you today. Because all of this about making hard choices and, and, and patterning our life after him, the decision point that you need to meet first is to believe and put your trust in Jesus Christ. Everything else flows out of that. But even then, even for children of God, from the land of Judah, only four out of thousands, hundreds or thousands believed. Ephesians chapter three and verse 12 says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into his presence. If you're a child of God, you have the opportunity to come confidently and boldly into the presence of God. And when you're faced with tough decisions, when you're faced with temptation, when you're faced with hard choices, you can come to him. But a lot of us still choose not to in those moments. Maybe we do sometimes, but that's, that's not our pattern. We're not coming to God and asking for his strength and his guidance. Now, for Daniel and his friends, how did it end up? Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. And whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So more or less, this is a health, wealth, and prosperity sermon, right? They started off possibly getting, you know, their head chopped off because they won't eat bacon. And it ended up 
that they were the ones in royal service to the king. 10 times wiser and smarter than everybody else. See, and this is the message you can take is that if you make the hard decisions and the choices right, everything just works out. It's all easy. And they were the most prosperous and smartest slaves in all the land. Who later, one was thrown into a den of lions because he worshiped God and the other three were thrown into a big, huge fire. See, God's purposes are different than ours. Getting a hold of our finances, right? Big January 1st thing. Big January 1st thing. New job, trying to do better, trying to make more money, stuff like that, right? Big thing. What do you think was on the mind of the hundreds and thousands of young people from Judah whose names we don't even know because they just went along with the Babylonian culture? Like, well, if I wanna make a, a smart choice and if I wanna have a family and if I wanna have wealth and security and if I wanna be able to have all these things that I desire, I just need to eat the food. And then when they tell me to observe some of their cultural things that maybe God doesn't like, I just need to do those things too. Because it's not like any of them later decided to get thrown into the fire or the lion's den. We hear about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If there's little kid cartoons, VeggieTales make shows about them, you don't see anything about any of the rest of them. Because you know what happened to them? We don't really know. Because they just faded into history, merged into Babylonian culture, because they said the choices are too hard. Now, they may have made good financial decisions to gain wealth, but they didn't make financial decisions to give back to God. And so their purposes were off. They may have made good decisions about having health and not getting killed, not being thrown in fires or to lions, right? I would call those typically good decisions. I would like my son to say, I wanna grow up and not be mauled by wild animals, right? That's something I would love for him to do. However, the decisions they made to achieve those goals went against the purposes of God, Right? Our next steps, one of the, the, the next steps and, and everything else, and Walter can go ahead and throw that up back there. But I, I say, what are the hard decisions that you want to make for yourself or people who care about you have asked for or you know God would have you do, right? And I, I put the third one there because I have a lot of people that tell me, oh, you need to do this, you need to try that, right, through life. You may have people or family members that nag you about certain things. I'm not saying you have to listen to everything, but it's possible if they're godly, and they care about you, there may be things they're talking to you about that maybe you should look at. Maybe there are things for yourself that you want that are good, but in the end, you know that God would have you do. Because if I'm making choices about my finances or my family or my job or my time or my health, and they are not in line with the purposes of God, and then they are meaningless to me being a Christian and me affecting anything having to do with eternity. So all the things and all the decisions that we decide to make, we have to ask ourselves, how does my life now fit into the purposes of God? So when you think about that today, as we wrap up and as we look at some of these closing thoughts, who does God want you to be? That's the first question you have to ask. First of all, he wants you to be a believer. And if you haven't answered that, that's the decision point today. If you are a child of God, you have to say, am I gonna be one of the four 
or one of the thousands? Am I gonna be one of God's children who says I am determined to be who he wants me to be? And so my choices are gonna be patterned after his purpose, not mine. Because like I, I told you, out of the hundreds and thousands that we never hear from again, a whole lot of their choices made sense to them, even to their families and to all the people around them. But they did nothing for their life following after God. And they sure didn't point anybody to Jesus. They sure didn't point anybody to Yahweh, to Jehovah. They just went along. We see our world wants to beat us down and to become like it, wants us to be okay with sin, wants us just to not make waves. There were probably a lot of these Jewish people who were taken away from their homes and they didn't do horrible things, right? They didn't become you know, people who would torture other Jews. They didn't become, you know, mass murderers or all this other stuff. They probably, some of them were very good upstanding Babylonian citizens. And sometimes as Christians, we feel that that's all we need to be is just, we just need to be good people. Well, if you want to change anything about yourself this year, God calls us to more than that. He calls us to make a difference for him. And it starts with making the hard decisions to purpose our choices after his will, not ours. As we close up, as our worship team comes forward, I wanna close in Proverbs chapter 16. It says, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives and commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. But success may look different. Daniel's plan succeeded. Hannah, Mishael, and Azariah, their plans succeeded. They impacted kings and kingdoms and nations. But their success was very dangerous. Their success took them to places where they thought their lives may be over. But in the end, their plans, because they were after the purposes of God, succeeded in what God wanted to accomplish. Thank you.